0: Thank <sighs> you. for tuning in to mystic witch i'm your host blue a tarot reader teacher and witch and you can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com mystic witch is a podcast about magic divination and all things supernatural
1: living wrong But I've tasted the lips of sweet Babylon Sweet Babylon
0: Today we have a very special guest, personally my favorite author, Lon Milo Duquette. He's probably best known for his many works on the life and magic of Aleister Crowley, but he has also published books on Kabbalah, Thelema, and Tarot, as well as Goishik and Enochian magic, just to name a few topics. One of the world's leading masters in the OTO and its longest living member, Lon also still takes time to teach. He may be best known for his occult writing, but what you may not know is that he is also, and was all along, a folk songwriter and singer, and a good one, too. (laughs) Welcome, Lon.
2: Thank you
3: very much. That's very kind of you.
0: So my opening question is always, what tarot card do you feel represents you, and why? Uh, The Queen of Cups. Uh,
3: First of all, it's my birthday card, Uh, or at least uh, according to some reckonings. It represents the 30-day period that includes July 11th, which is my birthday. Okay. I try to keep July 11th a secret. Did I say July 11th?
0: <laughs> you did.
3: <laughs> my birthday. You know, Crowley just more or less had personality attributes that are assigned to uh, the at least 12 of the court cards of the tarot. And... Uh, which represent 20 degrees of one sign to 20 degrees of another. And uh, his description of the Queen of Cups, you know, she being water of water, and water is very reflective, and Queens of Cups have the natural, I don't know if it's ability or the curse, of uh, reflecting, of acting as a mirror. And when people uh, uh, encounter a Queen of Cups, uh, they look at the Queen of Cups, and they sort of see themselves. I sort of, I don't know if it's its not an ability, but uh, when when I talk to people, they sort of see themselves. And everybody loves themselves better than anything else on Earth. So that when they look at a Queen of Cups, they say, oh, that, that's just like me. He must be a genius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I like that, too. And it's also the Yi-Ching hexagram of the joyous... Uh, a lake, and so it's uh, it's really a cool, cool card. So when I've always identified with it, and so when it comes up, I always say nice things about it because uh, <laughs> I, it's my way of saying nice things about myself,
0: so. <laughs> which is actually a little different because you're usually a little self-deprecating in your writing oh, in a playful way. I, I know. Oh. <laughs> So in the opening, I shared with everyone your ballad tribute called Sweet Babylon from the 2012 album Babylon 2. It's one of my most favorite recent releases, but side one of my Charlie D and Milo vinyl is basically the anthem of my house.
3: (laughs) So Sylphs and gnomes and
0: undines. And undines too. Yes, I love that song so much. Uh, But that album came out in 1970, and you took a break from music after that. So can you tell us a little bit about why? Because I always wanted to ask you that.
3: Well, I was incredibly lucky uh, with my musical career. My father got uh, very seriously ill uh, when I was in high school, and uh, it sort of cut into his work and his business and stuff. And uh, like most boys my age in those days I played guitar and uh, got myself in a in a little garage band type type thing we did covers and things like that and uh, but when he got ill I I started to take the music thing uh, seriously and I just lucked into falling in with a band of old, older uh, older guys that, uh, and, and we worked a lot all around the Midwest. And, uh, by the time I graduated from high school and moved back to, uh, to California, I just luckily fell in with, um, a songwriter, uh, uh partner named Charles Harris. And we just luckily uh, stumbled into, um, uh, not only a lot of, a uh, lot of work and this time singing our own stuff. But then we eventually got a uh, record contract with Columbia or Epic Records, which is a, a branch of Columbia Records. And uh, we did two single, got two singles in an album, and, and uh, the singles uh, did very well, and the album got a Billboard magazine spotlight pick. And but you have got to remember what years we're talking about here, and uh, so I was in the music business in Hollywood in like 1968, 69, 70, 71. And that was sort of at the height of the very wild and psychedelic time. Constance and I, my high school sweetheart, we had gotten married in 1967. And uh, we were thinking about raising a family or starting a family. And uh, it just became very clear that the lifestyle of excesses that I enjoyed so much.
0: <laughs>
3: I was a professional excessor. Just wasn't going to be compatible with family life. And so that that it wasn't even a choice. It was a no brainer. If I was going to uh, stay healthy and, and stable, I was going to have to uh, get out of the music business.
0: Yeah. But, and And then that's when you started writing. Is that right? Well,
3: uh, actually, it, it it took a while for that to happen because you know I'd been a professional musician since I was 14, and so I was totally unprepared for objective reality. Uh, mm. You know, I had no work experience or or uh, work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had no ambition. I had no goals. I had, and I still don't. I don't think strategically, and so it was kind of a struggle, you know, moving from one entry level job to to another while all all the while having no ambition or <laughs> or talent. So, but what I did enjoy doing during those very struggling years. It was I enjoyed mysticism, and I had uh, always always been uh, I had an incredibly uh, fruitful spiritual phase during the psychedelic years, I'd have to say, most of them inspired by psychedelic experiences. And so i I was uh, sort of wanting to be a serious mystic all along.
0: Was this he- when you were living on the compound, or was it a farm? Yeah, well, it was
3: uh, uh, several things. Well, Constance and I moved to Oregon where we lived in a, in a uh, sort of a loose knit communal environment. Yeah, and uh, and we were quite happy being dropped out and and
0: uh, off the grid.
3: We, yeah, I was go- off the grid. I was going to be a first class uh, yogi. Uh, so we only came back to California for about two weeks to. Uh, had me singing in saloons for a couple of weeks and get enough money to build our, our second little cabin. And that's when the guys from CBS showed up at the, at the club I was playing and offered us the record deal. So we never went back.
0: I love the story about that you tell about when you proposed to Constance over the phone and it was the best decision of your life and the worst decision of hers. <laughs> that,
3: that's exactly right, Ed And I waited till our 20th anniversary to tell her that I proposed to her on acid. (laughs)
0: That's probably wise. (laughs) She Uh, laughed, right?
3: (laughs) uh, Yeah, through gritted teeth.
0: Well, sometimes I wonder, because I I like to keep things light and and make jokes, uh, especially with clients. So I was wanting to ask you if you ever worry or what your thoughts are on, You know, having a sense of humor in all of this, you know, do you worry that people aren't going to think that you take yourself seriously?
3: Uh, Oh, who knows what the inner insecurities are of a class clown. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure there's all sorts of psychological things that you can can think of. But to tell you the truth, I sort of initially see everything as being pretty damn funny. (laughs) The thing is, you know, if we could back our consciousness camera back up far enough to see a wide enough angle of the totality of existence, you know, we could lump that totality under the broad category of, of deity, you know, or supreme deity. Excuse me just for a second. Uh, that was probably the supreme deity on the phone there. <laughs> so uh, we, can, we can either say... That the nature of that supreme whatever it is that is all that is, we could either say it's a hideous, drooling monster of pure evil, or we could say it's actually a really cool, good, happy, happy thing. A good, a good thing that's so good that it swallows up all the little goods and evils in the, in the cosmos. It's so good that it's so big that it doesn't have an opposite. When we get to that idea of that kind of of a unity of everything, we've got the choice of saying, hey, that's either happy and funny or it's sad and tragic. It doesn't matter at that point. So why not go with the one that makes you feel the best?
0: It's actually hard to segue into my next question after that point, because uh, the two of you are also very political, um, and you both have been activists for a long time. In fact, I was lucky enough to have met you at the People's Climate March, was that five years ago? I guess so. Uh, Over 100,000 protesters marching for environmental justice. Um, You know, and I would say that the subject matter in your solo music is about 50-50 between magic and politics. Uh, Do you think there's a merge between those two things?
3: I think they're one and the same. In my life, my politics, uh, or at least my social consciousness, is just my consciousness.
0: And just to clarify, you know, this is a topic that comes up a lot on Mystic Witch. We talk about how politics and magic are pretty much con- like the same thing. <laughs> you, yeah. It is, it's inherently po- political. So before we take a quick break, um, you know, basically you've written more forewords and introductions <laughs> than I think anyone else. It might just be because I found you so early on in my studies through, and I actually found you in uh, the third edition of modern magic when uh-huh. it came out, I was just a baby witch and, you know, I just wanted to read that paragraph really quickly. Um, I highlighted the, I highlighted this nearly 10 years ago, uh, and it still shapes me as a teacher and a student. So I wanted to share it with everybody. When shopping for instruction, avoid like the plague, the pompous, pretentious, paranoid poser with little or no sense of humor, steer clear of the master who has no interests or vocabulary outside the confines of his or her self-referential magical universe. And I live and die by that. (laughs) (laughs) And it also, to me, uh, the impact that it had on me personally was it made me realize like I always need to, even as a teacher now, I always need to study. I always need to have a teacher while I'm teaching. So that's also what it brought to me. So thank you for that.
3: Oh, you're, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with La Milo Duquette. Mystic Witches, we are back with Lon Milo Duquette uh, and we have an announcement to make the previously out of print 1997 release deck Tarot of Ceremonial Magic which was illustrated by Lon's high school sweetheart and wife Constance Duquette we're excited to inform you that the deck is going to be released again this summer, so Lon tell us a little bit more about this deck and how it came to be
3: well, I uh, teach a weekly class uh in my home in Costa Mesa, in our home in Costa Mesa. Uh and we're now in our 41st year and uh which is a lot of tea to serve. <laughs> uh, and uh, <clears throat> uh I wanted to teach a class series um uh, uh that uh, showed how you could um, organize certain tables on cabalistic uh, tables on uh, Crowley's Liber Seven Seven Seven, which is just a collection of you know cabalistic correspondences, and uh, I just wanted to show how how the. Goetheic demons,
2: <laughs> the 72
3: mm-hmm. Goetheic demons, uh, fit with the 36 astrological deacons, one one for the, or decans, one for the day and one for the night. Mm. And uh, I mean, it, was, it sounds, it's not that complex, Okay. Uh, <laughs> So And I had a job where uh, I was alone in the office for many hours every day, and I had copy machines and, and uh, all sorts of office stuff to play with. So I got myself some um, just regular note cards, 4 by 6 or something like that, note cards. And uh, I made copies of these uh, two Goetheic Spirits, and I put them on 36 cards. And then I put what dates of the year that, that, that are associated with that uh, astrological decan, And it, it looked really cool. And uh, then I started to think, well, you know, these are just like the 36 uh, small cards of the tarot, the two through nines of the four suits.
2: Oh. And so
3: I, so I started just to label those, you know, two of wands, three of wands, the four of wands. And, uh, and so that looked really cool. And I said, well, you know, there's 72 angels of the Shemhamphorish, oh. the Kabbalistic uh, uh, angels assigned to the five-degree periods of the, of the Zodiac. And uh, I think I'll just put those on there, too.
0: <laughs> I love it.
3: Then, uh, I, and so I'm still working with these 36 cards. And uh, then I said, well, I'll actually put the dates and the degrees on there. There are, uh, of course, astrological uh, attributes, uh, zodiacal attributes, but there's also planetary assignments to each one of them, you know, starting with zero degrees uh, uh, Leo. You come down the tree of life with Saturn, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Sol, Venus, Mercury, and and Luna. And so I'll throw that information on there, too, you know. And... uh Then I started to think. Well, you know that there are actually uh, 36 squares in each of the Enochian elemental tablets of the Enochian magic uh, system of magic of of John Dee. Every one of those elemental tablets has 36 uh, squares that form this grand cross that separates the these uh, elemental tablets into four sections, which are also assigned to fire, water, air, and earth. I think I'll put those squares on there too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, and all of this with copy machines, <laughs> <laughs> with, with copy machines and, and, uh, and I didn't get any real work done at all for many, many months. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll just name them what, the, what the, ta- what the tarot cards are, are, are named. And I wasn't planning on putting any, uh, Uh, images on it at all just all this information and then I thought well I'll add four more cards for the aces and I'll put the entire Enochian uh uh, elemental tablet on on there and so I'll have have the aces and along with uh with that uh, the aces of course are are assigned to surface of the globe uh well it's a long story but anyway I put that information on there too and then I thought, well, each of those elemental tablets, uh, uh, there's four court cards that live inside each one of those aces, and they're each a sub-angle of the uh, Enochian tablet. And then with all the angels that go along with that, I'll just make 16 court cards too. Wow. Okay. And all that information. So with just even with those cards, you could assemble the entire Enochian magic uh, universe, with just the aces and court cards of the of the tarot, then and then I already had the thirty six cards of the grand grand cross, so I could see that just with these funky uh, cards, note cards, I had an entire universe of angelic forces, an entire hierarchy of spirits. It's like a block of flats. You know? <laughs> A literal block of flats of, of angels and spirits and demons uh, and they all live in the same uh, in the same neighborhood except some live in the basement and some live in the, the penthouse you know so I thought uh, okay I'm gonna put some pretty classic images on it and I'll just I'll just do the images myself in uh, line drawings yeah uh, and I hadn't even thought about coloring them. Uh, except for the elemental tablets, the Enochian stuff. Then I thought, well, you know, the only thing that I've got left to do is, <laughs> you know, the trumps, the the greater arcana. I only need 22 more cards, and I got myself a tarot deck. Well, it you know, it takes me 15 minutes to d- describe how it all started to, to unfold, <laughs> but it took the better part of of a year and a half just to, to get the information that I knew I wanted on the cards.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. It's a, it's elaborate.
3: Anyway, it's uh it it really is real magic in a box kind of, kind of thing. And, uh, well, by then I was, uh, I was asked to write a couple of introductions, uh, to, um, Uh, books by uh, Christopher Hyatt, who was uh, just a member of my my lodge of OTO here. Mm -hmm. And um, so I never thought about writing or anything like that, because I have no ambition, as you know. (laughs) But anyway, I started to seriously then uh, turn the images uh, into something that my wife could uh, uh, paint with watercolors uh, using the very, very strict, Parameters of what is and what is not appropriate color wise, uh, according to the Kabbalistic scales.
0: Oh wow!
3: And so uh, uh, I just turned over the, uh, you know, a sheet of paper saying, "This card deals with this zodiac sign, this element, these planets, and these are the colors of those." Oh, not only that, but the Kabbalistic world. You know, wands would be king scale, and and. Uh, cups would be uh, queen scale and etc you know and she strictly followed that and turned them into a to a color uh, color version of the cards
0: which and she did I, fantastically by the way her art is so beautiful yo, it's, Yeah,
3: it's i'm so proud of her yeah, everything else.
0: One day and I'm going to get to meet Constance because I'm I'm probably one of your biggest fans, but I think I'm even a bigger fan of Constance.
3: Well, and well you should be. <laughs> uh, somebody asked Ram Dass once uh about his wife. He just, he called himself the Buddha's front man. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm just Constance's front man. So, I uh, love it. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how it uh how it went. I had by by the time it was finished, I had uh written um a book for uh, wiser called The Magic of Uh Thelema, which is now the magic of Alistair Crowley. And uh so a friend of mine and I uh drove all the way from Newport Beach, California to Miami to attend the Book Expo America, which is still called the PEA at that time. And I was going to pitch the cards to U.S. Uh, I was going to try to sell the cards to somebody. Yeah. And I went to the convention, and my publisher, Don Weiser, had his booth right next door to U.S. Games. Mm-hmm. System. And And uh, uh, I had lost—it's funny, I would lost my voice on the trip— <laughs> on the two-week trip <laughs> to, to uh, Miami, and uh, I lost my voice in New Orleans, so you can imagine how that happened. Yeah, um, I went to Don and sort of with sign language said, uh, "You know, I'd like to pitch uh, these tarot cards." And he looks at the cards and says, "Oh, we'll, we'll um, uh, Stuart Kaplan over here will publish them for you." And uh, so he takes me over to Stuart Kaplan, introduces me to him. And on the way over <laughs> to the next booth, I, I let Don know that I, I, I lied and said, well, I've got a book that goes with these cards. <laughs> and Don said, uh, uh, right, well, Stuart will do the, the cards and I'll do the book. And that was that. Okay. Uh, Stuart looked at the cards and said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And Don said, okay, we'll do the book. I can relax the rest of the the time in Miami. That's what happened. And (laughs) uh, U.S. Games did two full printings uh, of the deck over the years. So I guess they had it for about 15 years. And then they uh, allowed it to go out of print. And they sold out those two printings, which was... Which is pretty good.
0: I actually uh, I looked up that what the cost of it would be on Amazon the other day. It's like four. It's like four hundred dollars to buy the original printing. Yes,
3: please. And unless you're a collector, okay, don't even be tempted to uh, spend that on it. Because uh, a friend of mine, Thomas uh, Caldwell, helped me uh, just in the last ten years uh, produce. Uh, a very limited edition that that for about that sold for about sixty bucks. Yeah, uh, but that was uh, that was just sort of a stopgap. So now the uh, a good friend of mine uh, in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, the guy that, that uh, runs a very big uh, pagan and witchcraft uh, uh, distributing company, uh, Next Millennium in Omaha, Nebraska is doing the next uh, printing of it. And it should be out in just a couple of weeks. So it'll be out this summer again at a normal price.
0: <laughs> you know, I bought the, the Solabusca. I forget who did the printing. I, I I forget the name of the publisher, but they reprinted the Sola tarot. And for a moment it was worth like $3,000. <laughs> and I was like, I have made the best investment of my <laughs> life, <laughs> but it's not worth that much anymore because another, another printing company is reprinting them. So you know so this deck release is not to be confused with the 2020 book release of yours complete book of ceremonial magic which i'm very excited about is that deck going to be useful in tandem to this book or should we just stick to the book that you wrote that was published to go with the deck
3: oh yeah the 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 new llewellyn book uh it's only, it's only related uh, in the most uh, generic way to, to tarot. Uh, I, it's a book that I edited along with uh, uh, Dr. David Shoemaker, uh, and I curated it. That that means I sort of gathered together all of the authors of that book, which, which include David Rankin and, and Stephen Skinner and the Ciceros. It's a collection of full original books small books on the subject of of uh uh alchemy, the magic of the Greeks. Mm. It's a it's a total beautiful, unique and historic anthology of ceremonial magic.
0: Ooh. Now I'm more excited.
3: <laughs> yes, uh, it's uh, yes. It's a lot more exciting than even a single book on uh, tarot. <laughs> and, uh, it will be. Uh, uh, I'm so incredibly excited about it. Yeah, uh, because it'll be in libraries. Well, long after we're all dead, <laughs> if, if they still have libraries.
0: Isn't that the point of writing to like be, live forever? In a way, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
3: well. It, it, it's one way to that's why it's it's so nightmarishly embarrassing sometimes
0: <laughs> That I can relate to. This is why I don't think that I'm cut out for writing. As much as I' would love to write a book. Uh, you know, my my biggest idols are writers, but it's everything I write is so embarrassing. When I go back and read it I'm yeah. just like, no, nope. oh,
3: get, get used to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, get used to that. Uh the book that goes with the cards, that no the cards the title of the cards are Tarot of Ceremonial Magic mm-hmm. uh by Lon Milo Duquette. Yes. But the real book that goes with those cards is also called Tarot of Ceremonial Magic. It has a it um, it has reproductions of all the cards uh uh in the book, but most importantly it it's uh, is a handbook on how to use all those various uh, aspects of yeah. magic that those cards represent. Yeah, and the that's...
0: the Goishik aspects, the Anokian aspects. Yikes! There's so much. There's so much going on. If you would want to get a head
3: start, a head start on your on your deck, get get that card, get that book right now before. Wiser gets smart and boosts the price of it. So.
0: Oh, good tip. And you can you can look up Lon Milo Duquette on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Uh, you can just search his name and find this book. So speaking of books, my last question, you know, the most comprehensive book I've ever read on the Thoth deck was written by you. Um, and it's the deck that I started learning with, so I've seen quite a few for anyone that doesn't know, I'm referring to understanding Aleister Crowley's Thoth Tarot. Um, is this deck, Tarot of Ceremonial Magic, comparable to the things we know about the Thoth Tarot? Are there some parallels?
3: Yes, uh, yes, there are. The uh, Crowley's deck, the Thoth Tarot, is uh, uh, not that. Much radically different than than uh, uh, what we would think of as of a standard tarot. Okay, it deviated uh, deviates in just two small uh, areas, uh, and the rest is uh, just the rest of what makes it unique is the the incredibly wonderful magical artwork. Uh, of uh, uh, Frida Lady Harris, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, uh, just did a, an outstanding job. It's it, it will it's an immortal tarot deck now. Mm. The but there's a, there's a couple things. Crowley uh, went back to the original tarot of Marseille sequence of the of the cards that put the Justice in the eighth position and Strength in the eleventh. Right. Okay. And uh, he explains why he, uh, he he went back, even though that knocks the Hebrew letter sequence uh, 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 back out of whack. And uh, but the Golden Dawn uh, thought they were repairing that by uh, exchanging the the key numbers. Crowley put that that back to the original Tarot of Marseille sequence. He also uh, because of what he. Uh, Interpreted as uh, uh, an aspect in the change in human consciousness that uh, is expressed by this idea of the new of a new age of a new aeon. A new aeon is is not anything more mysterious than than a, a general uh, step up in human consciousness. Like the old step in human consciousness, we were still believing that uh, the sun came up and went down it at night. A new step in human consciousness is that we're all pretty hip, that the sun stays on all the time. It's that simple. It's that uh, generic of a consciousness leap. And so uh, he exchanged the Hebrew letter uh, assignment to the star card and he made the star card which uh, we're all familiar with as uh, as uh, this goddess of the night sky the, the star goddess and he gave it the, the Hebrew letter that is the biggest female uh, cosmic female letter in the Hebrew alphabet which is hey the tzadi uh, which used to be assigned to the the star card, he uh, uh, put back on the emperor card because the emperor got his hay robbed from him, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, assigned that. Okay, but Aquarius still stays where Aquarius is, and Aries still stays where Aries is, and and all the meanings uh, stay the same. But with those two exceptions, the Thoth deck is. Uh, just a beautiful version of of every standard tarot deck.
0: Yeah,
3: and so uh, in that respect, my tarot ceremonial magic does also does those two things. I exchange, uh, I put uh, uh, justice back in uh, the eighth position and, and uh, uh, strength in the uh, the eleventh and I uh, uh, exchanged Zadi and Hay with the Emperor and the Star card. Outside of that, it's just Long Duquette going crazy (laughs) with his own own tarot deck.
0: (laughs) So if anyone wants to order uh, the book that goes along with this deck that is coming out this summer, Tarot of Ceremonial Magic, like I said before, just search for... Uh, Long Milo's name on Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Um, if you would like to contact Next Millennium, uh, I believe it's Next Millennium Distributors. You can uh, you can locate them on Facebook, um, like I did, and and discuss with them if there's any pre-orders. Um, but it will be out within the next few months. So, um, look, keep looking for that. Uh, then I'm going to put Lon Milo Duquette's Patreon link. If you'd like to become a patron, Um, this work is not, it's not something you really get rich doing. So if you want to be a contributor, um, you can follow him there. You just have to look for that in the show notes. And last but not least, Lon is, can be found on Facebook. You can follow his page and, you know, just follow for blogs and information. There's constantly information coming from this man, so I recommend following. You'll be surprised every week to learn something new. And so in closing, Lon, I just wanted you to maybe explain to everyone who may not be aware why... Amazon reviews are so helpful to authors
3: well usually the the first place people start searching for you is is on amazon so they can s- see that you actually do stuff <laughs> but um the reviews are incredibly important and if you if you've read the book if you've enjoyed the book uh don't forget to actually say something nice about it. Give it a nice five-star review or something on Amazon. Because sometimes people in our field have a lot of opposition with people that think that we're evil, that we're satanic. That were anti anti whatever their religion is, mm-hmm. and they will mean spiritedly leave terrible reviews on books they haven't even read, and it takes the 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 rating the ratings down for for no reason uh, other than just pure hateful spite, and and uh, uh, it's really it really helps combat that if you've enjoyed the book for, for any, any reason to give it a nice review, just take a minute. It just only takes a minute to say, yes, I read this. I, I liked it. Um, I gave it to my mother who called me evil or something like that. You know, <laughs> uh, whatever it is, it's your chance to actually make it, make a difference. Um, and as you said uh, writing occult books is not a get rich quick scheme uh, it's not even a get rich scheme <laughs> it's uh, yeah I've got quite a few titles in print and everything else and believe me uh, it does not pay the rent uh, I'm so lucky to 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 have People who are kind enough, who are thoughtful enough, who appreciate my work enough to uh, be Patreon supporters, even even in a very small in a very small way, it, it really it really helps. It's yeah. it's the way. Uh, I make a living and now I'm 70 years old. I don't think I'm going to go into another career. So, so <laughs> who knows though, <laughs> you're all stuck with me. So, but help me uh, as, much as, you ca- as much as you can, as much as you can. As long as you're stuck with me, uh, it's nice that I'm, I still have a roof over my head.
0: So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you Lon so much for taking time for me and all of the, my listeners today. Um, I guess what, my last thing is just how can people find your music? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: my music is on uh, uh, CD Baby, mm-hmm. Spotify, uh, of course, uh, Pandora. Uh, but C- CD Baby, uh, Sp- Spotify, and of course on Amazon.
0: And what should and- they search on those platforms?
3: Ah, uh, just Lon Milo Duquette.
0: All right, perfect. Thank you again, Lon. It's been a pleasure having you.
3: A pleasure being on, and wish you the best. And next time I'm in New York,
0: yeah, you better let me know. All right, all right. Stay mystic witches. Follow us at Mystic Witch Podcast or email Mystic at gmail.com.